It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. So last week was the beginning of Advent Sunday, and in Advent it is, as we have said, expectation and anticipation, and this is the, last Sunday was hope, this Sunday is peace. Last week we read about an angel that appeared to Zechariah, Zechariah, this religious leader, a chief priest, and, and he, he doubted when the angel appeared and told him what would happen. He, he doubted. And so, because he asked for proof, and as a result, he, he lost his voice just for a season. It was a time for him, a time to listen, a time to listen. And the challenge was before us as well, this season, can we dare stop to listen? It was around Monday afternoon, evening, sometime this past week that I came down with a stomach bug, and I will tell you, church family, it rocked my world. Um, I'll spare you the details. Um, I lost weight this week. Woo! <laughs> I am down a few pounds, but, but it actually, in a very twisted, weird way, gave me time to listen this week. And so I listened to a stomach that was churning <laughs> and wrestling with some things. And at some point I thought, Lord, thank you for the food on my table. The food, that I, the food that my body can't currently digest and we're dealing with that. But thank you for the food on my table. I listened to a toilet that flushed many, many times. Lord, thank you for infrastructure and waste management and the advancement in our societies today that prevent us from some of the cares and concerns of, say, third world countries or even you know, uh, past settings in which disease and sewage and all that was such a problem. We don't, we don't have to worry about those things today. You just flush it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a wife who not only flawlessly fulfills her responsibilities, but also picks up the considerable uh, slack when her husband can do nothing but at best wander the house looking for more toilet paper. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for putting loved ones in our lives who, who care. So that's what I heard this week <laughs> as I was listening. And I wonder what you heard, and I'd love to hear that. I, I hope the Lord inserted into your week a way in which you can stop and listen, and I hope he did it differently for you. But it is um, something that I hope continues on to this week as well. I hope you have time to stop and listen. Zechariah is our listener, the example we have from last week. So we looked at someone else in the, the story of Luke chapter 1 today, and it is Mary. And yes, that Mary the young woman who will go on to give birth to Jesus. So let's see what happens when we move from Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth to Mary. It does involve a return of the, uh, another appearance of the angel Gabriel. And so turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1, and I will pick up at verse 26. When Elizabeth, this is Zechariah's wife, when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged 
to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman was labeled unable to conceive. This, label who, this woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Much has been said about Mary's response to what happens here, especially if we compare or maybe contrast it with Zechariah's response from last week. Zechariah questioned what the angel was saying, asked for some proof. How can I be sure of this in verse 18 in chapter 1? And to be honest with you, I think it's a valid point considering how old they were. They were no longer of childbearing age They had missed that window of their lives, and yet here was this angel saying differently. But Zechariah had questioned that, and so there were some consequences for questioning the angel. Zechariah lost his voice for that that season. Mary, actually, I think, as I read it, it sounds like Mary did something similar. She also questioned the angel, verse 34, how will this happen with another very valid point? But Mary does not lose her voice. In fact, she gets to sing a song, and that's what Wayne read earlier in the the service, and I would encourage you, we don't have time to, to unpack all of that, but you can go back and read Mary's praise to God, Mary's song in verses 46 through 55 in Luke chapter 1. There's some good stuff in there. But Mary doesn't lose her voice. She gets to proclaim her voice. And she just gets a straight answer, response from the angel. And I know, and, and some, some theologians debate about this, Mary did not ask for proof. She did not ask for a sign. And perhaps that was the difference. Eventually she would know. But perhaps the difference was with Zechariah and Mary themselves. Have you heard the phrase? I mentioned it this morning. To whom much is given... Much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. You won't find those exact words in the Bible, but you'll find something very similar in the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. To whom much is given, much is required. If you were to ask anyone in this time period about Zechariah and about Mary, and to try to compare the two, anyone of this time period would have told you they are not the same. Different circumstances, even though they grew up at the same time period, obviously. 
They were not considered equals at all in this time period and in this cultural setting. Now, in the kingdom of God, everybody's equal. Children, old, young, uh, rich, poor, everybody. Everybody's equal. Not so back in this time period. In first century, in a patriarchal society, in the Roman Empire, Zechariah was an elder, distinguished, educated, religious man. Mary was a young woman, probably a teenager. They had different rights, different experiences, different perspectives, different statuses and roles, and even different expectations. And remember the phrase, to whom much is given, much is required. Zechariah was given much responsibility, much access, much training. Some might even say much privilege. He was a priest. So, yes, perhaps the more you have, the more that is to be expected of you. And who of all people at that time should have gladly accepted the word of the angel should have been a priest. A priest who was on duty, ministering before the Lord when the angel showed up. Zechariah should have not necessarily known it was coming, but been expecting, been looking for it, considering all that had been given to him. Mary was not a priest. She did not have access to the inner parts of the temple. She did not have the training or education of a priest. So perhaps a little more grace was extended to her, just, just maybe. You know, in our church today, all are welcome. Everyone is welcome into the doors of our church. Any Sunday morning, you are welcome, even if you're a non-believer. In fact, if you're a non-believer, I'm glad you're here today. All are welcome. Anyone with a seeking heart can come through these doors and be a part of our worship to Jesus on a Sunday morning. But to be a member of our church... Or to be a leader, or to teach, or to preach, or to work with kids or teens, or lead a Sunday school class, or a small group, or Bible study, or even to be elected into a position of leadership. Much would be given, much responsibility, much even spiritual authority. And so would there be higher expectations? I want us to look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I don't have this on the screen. I just want you to listen to it, or you can look it up yourself. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is addressing this exact topic. And he puts it this way. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this saying is reliable. If anyone has a goal to be a supervisor, some translations would say bishop, or just any leader, a general leader of the church, if anyone has a goal to be a supervisor in the church, they want a good thing. So the church's supervisor must be without fault. They should be faithful to their spouse, sober, modest, and honest. They should show hospitality and be skilled at teaching. They shouldn't be addicted to alcohol or be a bully. Instead, they should be gentle, peaceable, and not greedy. They should manage their own household well. They should see that their children are obedient with complete respect. Because if they don't know how to manage their own household, how can they take care of God's church? They shouldn't be new believers so that they won't become proud and fall under the devil's spell. They should also have a good reputation with those outside the church so that they won't be embarrassed and fall into the devil's trap. In the same way, servants in the church should be dignified, not two-faced, heavy drinkers, or greedy for money. They should hold on to the faith that has been revealed with a clear conscience. They should also be tested and then serve if they are without fault. In the same way, women who are servants in the church should be dignified and not gossip. 
They should be sober and faithful in everything they do. Servants must be faithful to their spouse and manage their children and their households well. Those who have served well gain a good standing and considerable confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't know many people, myself included, who can go 100% from that list. And I'm not saying this, that in order to be a leader in the church, you have to be perfect. But we are saying, to whom much is given, much is required. And the beautiful part, I think, of the story in Luke chapter 1, is that Zechariah... Much was given, and so the, for the angel, at least, much was expected. More was expected than how Zechariah had responded to this. And as a result, there were consequences. But do you know what still happened with Zechariah? God still went forward with his plan and partnered with Zechariah, even with his leadership failings, even with his doubt, even with his fear. Zechariah was still able to be part of God's plan. And Mary, who was not in a place of privilege or great responsibility, was also able to be a part of God's plan. God can absolutely work with any willing spirit. That was kind of a side point. So I want to get us back on track here in the Gospel of Luke, and so let's talk some baseball. No, really, okay, we're going to talk some baseball here, okay? And not $700 million worth of baseball, oh, that, that was, and I just, poof, my mind's blown from that news uh, this week. But last week, as we do every Sunday, I stand here at the foot of the altar, and uh, some men of the church gather around me, and we pray. And Rex is the one who, who leads us, and he's the one who, who prays out loud while the rest of us uh, pray in our heads. And we do this every Sunday morning. To be honest with you, for me, it is the number one most important thing I do leading up to the worship service. As your pastor, to be prayed over in that moment is sacred for me. It is, well, it's needed for me. I'm not that good of a pastor. I need prayer. And so that's the commitment, and that's what we do. And so Rex leads us in, in, in that each week, and, and I'll say too, and Rex will tell you this, anybody's welcome to join us. This is not a, an exclusive club. If, you, if you're here at about 1025, we like to get going about 1025. We say that. Sometimes it's later, but you're not starting without us, so okay. But we're, we're here, and we'll be, we'll be praying. You're welcome to join us at that time right here in front of the altar. But last week, Rex, and I didn't tell him about this, so I'm, I'm almost kind of picking on him, but it was, it was a good thing. Last week, Rex said something that kind of shook me a little bit, even as he started off in his prayer. And it, it, I'll be honest with you, it rattled me in a good way. He said, in his own unique way, here's how his prayer started, Lord, here we are sliding into Advent. Sliding into Advent. And my brain, which is easily distracted, somehow latched on to that phrase. And even in the, in the prayer, I began to think and dwell on, and I, maybe even the Spirit worked for me a little bit on what, what is sliding into Advent. And the more I thought about it and kind of dwelt on it, and, and at least part of my mind was clinging on to that, I just could not get over how it perfectly describes 
the way so many of us, myself included, go through this time of year. We, we come out of Thanksgiving, which is wonderful. I, I love Thanksgiving. It's so much fun, but also busy, right? So busy. There's so much to extra over Thanksgiving. And then there's some, for some, there's like Black Friday shopping and Cyber, Cyber Monday shopping and Small Business Saturday and and then, wait a minute, we got to get the Christmas tree up, right? We got to get the Christmas decorations out, okay? We, we, we got to do that. And, and what, what are all the things we have to do in anticipation of, man, it's, it's going to get busy. And wait, how many inches of snow did we have already? I didn't even rake the leaves yet, you know? I got to wait for the snow to melt to rake the leaves. And that, that was just a lot. And, and the result is for me anyway, and, and I think for a lot of people, you go sliding in. <laughs> to Advent, and what that means is I've been at a full sprint. We've been, we've been going, right? We just, here we go. You slide. You slide into Advent. And that's a, for me, it's a baseball metaphor. And here's where I, and I kept, and I, I obsessed over this. It's too much. It's like, I, this is just, Rex probably doesn't even remember the phrase, but man, in baseball, you're sprinting, you're sprinting, and then you slide into the base, right? You slide into the base. But what's fascinating about this, and, and this is why I'm bringing it up today, is in baseball, when you slide into a base, you are safe, right? You're safe. And you slide, especially like, you know, first base, you got to run through. Don't slide in the first base. Some of the, no, 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 you run through that one. Se- second base, you got to slide. Third base, you, you slide. And if you get there, and if you're sprinting, if you're going hard, you slide. You're safe. You're safe on the base. But have you reached your goal? No. There's a, there's a bigger goal. We're trying to get home. And you'll never reach the base. You'll, you'll never reach home. You'll never reach the goal unless you leave the safety of the base. In baseball, it's called taking a lead, a lead off, getting a lead, right? Let's get a lead. And you know where you're safe? You're safe on the base. And you slid into the base, and you've run, and you've done all you can to get here just to be safe. I'm thankful for times when we're safe. But it is not our goal, especially in Advent, to stay safe. Now, we're going to get a lead. And if we get a lead, what, are we safe? No, we're not safe right now. And if the enemy looks, <laughs> we, let's get on the base. But in Advent, there's a goal further up. There's more. And if the timing's not right, you, you got to get back and you got to get safe. Let's get safe. But, but, okay, let's take a lead. Let's take a lead, okay? You get that? You get that? Let's, let's take a lead. Mary's response to this, far better than Zechariah, Mary's response was that she was ready to take the, she was ready to leave what was safe because what the angel was proposing was not safe. That plan 
was not comfortable, was not certain, did not make sense, and went against some things, and maybe the rumor mill gets started. Maybe, uh, what's the official story? Maybe there's a real story behind that. Mary's got to worry about some things now. What's Joseph going to think about this? But Mary, here's her response. And it's verse 37 and verse 38. The, the angel makes one final statement in verse 37. The beautiful words of the angel Gabriel. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for God. Print that, underline it, highlight it, post it on social media, whatever. That's beautiful. Nothing is impossible for God. But what gets me today is Mary's response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Let it be. Let it be. Do you know that old hymn? Well, it's kind of a hymn. You know that, that, that old hymn writer, uh, Paul McCartney? <laughs> when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. If you knew every word of that song, we might need to talk later. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I knew it. It's actually the Beatles. And you probably didn't expect the Beatles at Sunday morning service today. But Paul McCartney wrote those. And I can't tell you exactly what Paul McCartney was thinking when he wrote those. I know his mom was named Mary, and I, I, I don't know how much Advent he had in his mind. But I know what comes off the page. I know how I sing it. You're not going to find this song in the hymnal, but let me tell you, let it be. It's actually not an easy statement to make. Those are the words that signaled where Mary was landing with all of this. Let it be, and it's taking a lead. It's leaving what is safe. We've received the plan. We know the goal. So let's let it be as God has told us it should be. Here's what I think that means for Mary and then for us today as well. I think let it be. I think it might be a form of, of consent, which is, of course, a radical, incredible thing for that time period, especially when consent perhaps wasn't even a concept. As if the angel came as a messenger from God to say, here's the plan, Mary, and then Mary gives consent before she conceives. And I wonder, have you ever in your prayers, have we ever given God consent to do what he has planned for our lives. I think we would do well to follow in Mary's footsteps to say, Lord, I am your servant. However you're at work in this world, in my life, in any and every area of my life, Lord, let it be. Let it be just as you want it to be.
And if we can pray the prayer, let it be. Well, I think we're speaking some words of wisdom. And also, Mary, I'm thankful to say, is not just a tool or something to be used in this story. She is not just a means to an end. Mary has some thoughts worth hearing. She has some opinions worth receiving. She even has a song, and I mentioned that earlier as Wayne read that. In verses 46 through 55, Mary just explodes with some beautiful language, and Mary's own words actually become Scripture. I'd encourage you to go back and read that this week. It's some really good stuff, starting in verse 46. When we pray, giving God our consent to do what he plans to do is quite an exercise, a spiritual practice in trust and in giving up control. Actually, that prayer can actually be quite freeing. Lord, let it be. Let it be how you would have it be. Would you commit to doing that this week? To praying? It's a three-word prayer. Let it be. Let it be. God, how you want it to be. And then we pray that God would reveal that to us, would show us, would give us opportunities. What, what would that look like for us? Lord, let it be how you would have it be. So if you will dare to pray that prayer, I do want to add to it just a little bit. Those three words, let it be, but can I, um, can I add one more word? Let's go to four words. Don't forget this very important part at the end. If you dare to pray, let it be today, don't forget this very important part. You, know what, you want to know what the very important part is? Amen. Amen. Okay. Don't forget to say amen. And you think, well, the prayer? I got that one. Yeah, that's what we always do, right? Do you know what amen actually means? Amen does not mean the end. <laughs> or it, it doesn't mean goodbye or uh, God, I have, I have to go now and I don't know what else to say. Amen. <laughs> Amen actually means either an affirmative, uh, saying, uh, saying, saying yes to this, or I, I want us to hear it as amen means so be it. So, so be it. And it's why sometimes if I can just stumble my way, if this preacher can stumble his way onto a good point, someone might say Amen. So be it. I agree with that. Amen. Or perhaps maybe it's let it be so. Let it be. Whatever has been said, whatever the conclusion we have come to in our prayers, wherever we have settled, and whatever the will of God may be for our lives, amen. So be it. Let it be. Let it be. So this prayer is again, let's say we're on second base, it's time to take a lead. Do you know how to take a good lead? You don't, don't, don't cross your legs, you might stumble, okay? Right here, you get your... Okay. Taking the lead, okay? Check the enemy, 
check the picture, right? Might be coming back and you got to get, you know, don't, don't be unsafe. But now here we go, we're taking the lead. Because why? There's more to the call to be the people of God. There's more to being safely on second base. It's getting to the goal. And if we want to get into the goal, we've got to pray prayers like, let it be. We've got to take a lead, get off what is safe, and here we go. Let me pray with you today. Lord, we don't come before you today with some type of grand plan. We don't bring to you big strategies and agendas. I think we do have some problems, maybe. We certainly have a world that's broken. And we don't exactly have a way to, to fix all that needs to be fixed, Lord. And so that's why, Lord, especially in this season, we, we just get really excited for your arrival. We look for you. And we know you've promised to come, to return, and to fix some things, and to make all things new, and let your kingdom break into this world. And that may look really strange for some of us Zacharias that, man, we weren't looking for that. We were trying to be faithful, we were trying to be good, but we weren't looking for that, Lord. Make us listen. And maybe for some Marys in the room today who might be saying, I don't, I don't know, this doesn't make sense, but here we go. Let it be. I don't know how you plan to continue your work right here and on into 2024, but, but we have some words today, Lord, we're praying. Let it be. We are your servants, and let it be with us just as you have said, just as you have planned. And would you, Lord, give us the courage to mean it when we pray it? However, Whenever and wherever you're going to work, Lord, let it be. And today, on this Sunday of peace, Lord, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. And Lord, I pray, would you hear us loud and clear now as we end this prayer together. And all God's people said, Amen.